Hello everyone out there in podcast world. In this episode, I spoke with Christian Mahoney of theretailguide.com.au and we discussed things to do with email marketing and why retail businesses should get on board with email marketing. Uh, We discussed things like how the retail people can get customers onto their lists, so what incentives they could offer. We also discussed you know, what to do with that data once it's collected, so what they can send, promotions, helpful content, all that kind of thing. We also discuss, and this comes up a lot when I talk with um, business owners that deal with email marketing, is that a database is an asset. So if you go and sell your business down the track, buyers look for things like assets and having a database of customers is definitely one of those big big assets that can help you get a good price when you sell your business. So we discuss that. Uh, and we also discuss uh, thoughts on um, discounting. You know, we, we all know it works, but whether it's worth it in the long term is something we discussed. So <laughs> you will have to listen to the podcast to find out what Christian has to say about retail. Hey everyone, today we are talking with the retail guy, Christian Mahoney. Thanks for joining us today. No worries, Casey. Thanks for having me. And um, I should should say to the listeners that um, it's lucky that you're with us. You've had cyclones up up in your part of the world, but you've um, managed not to get blown away. Yeah, no, uh, just fell short of hitting Brisbane, which is which is nice. So um, just got a couple of good old-fashioned drenching, which is usual at this time of the year. Oh, well, it's good that uh, you can be with us today. So. You're uh, termed the retail guy. Yeah. Uh, so why is that? You've had, so what is it, almost 20 years, 15 years experience? Yeah, it's, I oh, look, it's rounding the bend on 18 now, so all up. Um, and that's not including pushing trolleys at Woolworths in Victoria. So uh, if I put that in, it's probably well over 20. Yeah. Um, depends how you want to look at it. Yeah, so that's uh, the term, the retail guy. Look, it was one of those things where I really struggled to, to come up with a brand that, I guess, uh, encapsulate what I did and what I could do. Um, it's fairly broad, but it's also niche as well. So for independent franchise or even national chains, I'm, I guess I've positioned myself to be uh, an ear or a helping hand or even a consultant to be able to go and look at strategies, um, especially on shop floor strategies. That's really where I specialise. So um sales strategies on the shop floor, selling skills, um, merchandising execution, ranging, buying, etc. Okay, cool. So that's at the retail retailguy.com.au. Yep. yep. Yep, where people can yep. think you've got the seven common mistakes inside retail, free book people can Yeah, I've got yeah. that I've got customer centricity, um, and I'm just about to launch a book on Kindle called A Sporting Chance, um, How to Live and Profit More with Your Sports Store. So it's, uh, I guess, leveraging some of the inside knowledge I've got with 15 years in um, a major sporting chain within Australia. So um, that's that's exciting. That's a 38,000-word yeah. manuscript. So, yeah. Excellent. Soon to be released. Yeah. Well, we might have to have another chat when that comes out. <laughs> so yeah. today we're... we're doing, yeah, we absolutely should. That's... um. Obviously, a big market and uh, lots of retailers are involved in the sporting um, industry, so we should yep. definitely 
But anyway, today's chat is about uh, why retailers should be collecting data, at the very least email addresses from their customers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I know I why I think retailers should be doing this. What, yeah. in your opinion or your experience, why should retailers be collecting customer or prospect data? Yeah, okay. Um, there's lots of ways to cut cut up this. When you sent it through, I was like, okay, how do I best answer this? And the why really is around, there's probably three key answers to that. Um, retailers probably need to be, I don't want to say probably, retailers need to be collecting data to keep front of mind, full stop, amen. So um, it's evidently clear now with the amount of channels and, and media distributions. So we talk podcasts inclusive. Um, digital, social media, um, mass media, all of those things combined, there's so much noise, right? So the human's ability to be able to retain information and hold on to it is becoming ever increasingly, um, it's it's degenerating um, minute by minute. So we have over 5,000 marketing messages coming at us at any particular moment in any particular day. And the reticular activating system is the brain's natural filter to be able to, I suppose, sift out what we don't want to see and then uh, grab onto the stuff that we do want to see. And the best way to, to, I suppose, articulate that is when you buy something new, whether it's an iPhone, a new car, um, whatever it might be, all of a sudden you naturally start seeing that particular product more and more and that's that's the best way to, I suppose, point out how that works. And for marketers out there, they're well aware of that. So that's point, point one is being able to, for retailers, it's really a conduit to be able to stay front of mind um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're always going to sell something with every t- particular message. It's just about when something does um, become a need for a customer, then you're the person or the, or the place that they, they may think of. And yeah, Harvey Norman do this well, but they don't use email. They, they just butcher the airwaves and also the TV screens with advertising nonstop. Um, go Harvey, go Harvey. They use sonic triggers to, to make sure that it's – as entrenched in their customers' brains as they could possibly be. Um, but not all, I guess, your market, Casey, would be not, a, not everyone has the multi-million dollar marketing no. um, capacity like they do or McDonald's or whoever. So this is why email and data capture has to be uh, a really big part of your marketing strategy. It has to be the backbone of what you do. So that's the first reason. The second one um, is it's, it gives you a higher way to be able to understand your customers a lot better and and more to that point, able to collaborate with them, okay? So one thing that blows me away is retailers on, I suppose, in large scale or medium scale. So, you know, we talk 20 to 50 stores and upwards from there, set wage budgets, set marketing strategies, decide on what they're going to range and sell without actually going and talking to their consumer base. And I, I say that blows me away as in you, I'm scratching my head go, wouldn't that be the first place mm. you, you would start? You'd go out and go, hey, guys, we're, um, you know, we're about to go and range our new XYZ thing and um, would love to get your feedback on what you would love. You know, and if you've got a, a sample size of 20,000 or if you've got even 10,000, you might get seven to 20 comments that really just might point you in a, in a winning strategy with that. And um, so it's able to help reduce if you want to call it shrinkage or you want to call it loss, it's able to sharpen the arrow a lot more with those types of expenses and outlays. Um, And then lastly but not least, and it's probably one of the bigger ones that people forget, 
a database is an asset. Mm, okay, so absolutely. it's absolutely it's absolutely something that small businesses um, can leverage, and it could all it could be you know in the worst case example case, it could well be the one valuable thing that a business has to be able to, I suppose, if it goes into unfortunate liquidation or receivership, if you've got a strong big database, then that elevates your value as well. So there are three reasons why retailers should be collecting data. Just on that, the last point there, the database being an asset, I um, I talk about this all the time. You know, if you're going to sell a, a business, that having a database of customers is, I guess, if you've only got prospects, well, then that's, yeah. that's okay as well. But, yeah, a database of proven people that will purchase from you mm-hmm. is is a massive um, asset. And uh, what are they? the people that sell businesses, like business brokers, they often talk about this as being an asset and one of the ways that you can increase the, the price of your business. So instead of just selling the um, – you know the the space or the lease that you have, and then mm-hmm. the the physical items inside that space. If you have a database, then absolutely that can push up your asking price immensely. And yeah, people just I've... don't don't. It doesn't. It's not something that's talked about. No, I guess. no, no one wants to start a business, or it's kind of a taboo thing to think about. But realistically, all business owners. Um, need to have an exit strategy. They need to have a number that they want to sell for and, and the smart business owners actually position their businesses to do this. Um, you know, if you're to go and pitch to an angel investor in Silicon Valley, probably question three of what they're going to ask you is who's going to buy your company or business and how much is it going to sell for, right? So that's part of the valuation process of evaluating a business. Now, it's a sort of, I suppose, that business owners forget about doing, building, growing, nurturing. If you can really have a, an engaged audience, this is why podcasting is such a valuable tool as well because if you've got a valuable listenership, if you've got an engaged listenership, that's an asset as well. People want that. So yep. um, all of a sudden you become you know, attractive to other businesses. And big businesses don't initiate or innovate, they acquire so they, it's literally just open the checkbook and let's see what we can buy to help push our, you know, push our business into the next phase of growth and those sorts of things. So um, it is a little, a little bit big fish eating the small fish, but that's the way business works. And, and sometimes that's what you want as a business owner. You want to go, look, I'm going to do this for five or ten years and, and at the end of it I want to sell or be in a position to sell or be acquired for this amount and my target. Um, you know, my targets for that are X, Y, Z retailers. It might be West Farmers. It might be, you know, Coles. It could be whoever it might be, you know, one of these big five, top five parent groups um, to come, to just walk up and go, yeah, you've got 20, 20 stores. We like what you're doing. You've got, but the biggest thing you've got that we want is a, a, a loyal cult following. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably like, like really building a tribe is what you, it's part of. I mean, this is the formal way of building a tribe is, is connecting people via email and data. Yeah, well, I mean, there's obviously other ways to do it, Facebook and social media and all that, but email... You don't, when it, you don't own that, though. No, yeah, exactly yeah. right, when it comes you down to... You bought a house on rented land. That's and, right, uh, and with all the yeah. changes, there's not much you can do about it. So Yeah, it's I not mean, worth you, anything. Yeah, you could do both, for example, but at least with the email that you've got something to fall back on when... Like MySpace goes under. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, hopefully, we've um, we've covered enough reasons why people should be thinking about 
And one, I mean, another actually, before we go into the next point, people think collecting data, you know, it's um, you know, Big Brother esque or it's privacy. There's privacy issues, or I don't like people, you know, stalking me or knowing too much about me on the internet. And there's there's ways around that, and it's just basically being a nice person as a mm. business, you mm. know, not using the data you collect for evil, mm. and putting all the the um, right tools in place to ensure that as as much as you can ensure on the internet that things don't go wrong, like hackers getting your information, things like that. So if you go in with a, a mindset of I want to help my customers and yes, I want to sell, but that's okay, and just don't be don't be not <laughs> just be a nice business, then yeah, that's yeah. not really a valid excuse not to be doing it. No, and and the, the, we spoke before we hit record about you know the fear of um, becoming invasive. Mm. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want people's data, or I don't want to collect emails because they're just going to turn off. And that, I don't know that people are more, as you said, um, more protective of their personal information. There's so much fraud out there. Blah blah blah. Um, really, you're talking yourself out of what should be just a a straightforward business strategy that's entrenched in what you do. And um, it's so targeted being having an email list or having a database that you can talk to and, as you said, in a helpful way. That's probably the underpinning thing that you need to understand. As long as it's customer-centric, customer-led, you're putting the customer's interests first, you're handing out some valuable content, um, you know, and it's not invasive you're not just spamming and pushing stuff down their throat all the time well then you will ha- you will continue to grow that database and nurture it to a level where people are almost looking forward to your next email or almost getting to a point where as you said you know you, you sign up to things and you want to hear from businesses that you like um yeah. my my wife's a you know she's a bit of a um an online junkie you know like we have two kids under three and a half yeah. and you know, there's yeah. just this constant sort of revolving door of shoes going out, shoes coming in, clothing coming in. It's a really, it's almost like trash and treasure or, you know, those thrifty op shop places online now, like in terms of eBay. And for, and for young parents um, that have young kids that are growing out of things at a rate of knots, it's actually quite a, a thrifty way to, to, you know, continue Absolutely. to reuse, you know, clothes and shoes and all of that UBIT stuff. But she, you know, one of the first things she does is check what's caps of the day offering, what's what's come through on eBay, eBay all of that stuff. It's a, it's almost a little bit addictive. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that she wants to hear from those businesses and regardless of frequency, I would almost say that the more frequent they would get, um, it wouldn't bother her at all. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, I guess it's because she wants to hear from them. So the that's Okay. By her, and if somebody didn't want to hear from them, well, they could always unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. Yeah. Change most, well, most. A lot of the email service providers or the, the software out there have have um, different ways of so people only want to receive one email a week. Then that's easy enough to implement. Whereas other people might want to receive the daily email, then that they can receive that. So there are ways and means of segmenting people into to like streams I guess of wanting to hear from you on a on a um, daily basis or what they want to hear from you as well yeah. so there's yeah. all these days there's just you can basically do anything you like um, when you think about it you've got to, and you've got to think about this communication channel 
uh, email, social media is the same as you know you're getting into bed with your customer. So um, if you think about that in literal terms, you know, if you're just getting people's data so that you can continually ask for stuff, you're probably not going to get much back. But if you give and you know to reference banner tracks like those jab, jab, jab right hook, um, that is really just about giving someone three things before you ask for something back. And it's really just, I guess, the premise of what we as humans like. We like to be offered things. We like to free stuff first. And then once with that relationship is established, then we're more receptive to offers coming through. So I guess for retailers or any business out there, whether it's plumbers or dentists, whatnot, it's important that you understand the psychology behind having a relationship. And it's no different to your wife, your spouse, whoever it might be, where you wouldn't just meet someone and go, hey, can you give me 50 bucks? Um, you could, but you the try. answer would most likely be, no, mate, I don't know anything about you, go away. Uh, yeah. um, versus if you got to know this person, um, you know, you spend a few time, you spend some time with them. After that, you went and said, "Look, can I, can I have fifty dollars?" You probably a better chance of getting it. So that that's probably what I would help to take some of that fear away from feeling like you're being invasive. And it was to back your point up, Casey, around just um, doing it in the right way, being a helpful business. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, we're adults. If we give you our email address. We've made a decision to, you know, to give you our email address. Yeah. So it's it's um if you if you put the offer out there and the customer takes you up on it, then it's it's not <laughs> it's not your fault or yeah. if that's the word, you know, they they actually wanted to do it. So yes. Anyway, okay. So how let's talk about how um, businesses can get this data. How can and they collect the data? Yep. Um, in a also like like so I guess. In a couple of ways, so in store, like the physically, how can they do it, and also incentives that they could offer to um to the customers to to you know entice them yeah. to give the data over. Yeah. Okay. Um, how to do it? There's again, there's multiple ways. I mean, like if we take this all the way back to the lowest common denominator, um, how to do it would be a spreadsheet. Um, if you yep. don't, if you have uh, a register or point of sale system at your brick and mortar retail store that's from 1986 um, and you still have to manually punch in all of your receipts and stuff into an accounting system believe it or not they still exist um, then a spreadsheet is a, like or a clipboard hanging around your register area that says sign up for our monthly newsletter or something to that description is the minimum sort of way to do it um, in fact uh, one of the best experiences I've had, and I've used this story quite a few times, is a butcher that is about five k's away from my house. It's a tiny little butcher, well presented. Obviously, the person that is in this particular business loves it to death, but you know that would be fifty plus. They're a mum and dad sort of thing operation. And when I first went there, there was this clipboard, and me being in, in I suppose inquisitive and just yeah. wanting to know where it would go, I signed up. And I bought my meat and went home and by the time I'd gotten home, there was an email from obviously using some form of automated system where there's probably some templates. So I probably underestimated their tech savvy ability. Um, and it was, you know, his top five recipes on how to cook your, you know, your veal um, and here's another three suggestions using household items. 
one house of marinated meat, and still to this day, I reckon I'm a better I'm a better barbecue chef because of that particular butcher. So that that's probably one way that, that, that the yeah, lowest common um, more established ways that are available now. There is a lot more application based systems that are hitting the market. Um, sorry, just adjusting my chair. Um, I would say. You know, cautiously here, a, a plug for my show's sponsor is probably one of the better ones. Um, it's called the Cashback app and they're just using an iPad merchant facility that you can um, click into pretty much 90% of any point of sale um, existing structures out there and um, there's a little housing device for the iPad and it's and it's all-encompassing, um, you know, sign up for our our email um, and it's driven by an incentive of you know delivering cash back to your consumers and also a cash back system to um, the merchant or the retailer. So that's one example. There are others, but that's another way that you can do it. And then furthermore, on the big scale, big in the town, uh, obviously there are businesses like Magenta, IBM, whatnot that have it all interlinked within their point of sale systems as well. Um, they seem to be a little bit more, I won't say problematic, but they're when I say all encompassing, they're big units, yeah. um, they're big expenses too. And I would say probably the data that comes through from those bigger is is almost getting superseded by some of these cloud based and application based systems that are coming through now as as the cashback app is. So um, there's three ways that you can across probably, you know, a small little retailer or a small little business right through to a, a national chain that you can look at how to collect data. Um, the mechanics behind it in terms of how do you ask for it, literally you just ask for it. Like if, I'm with, if I work with a retailer and they have a floundering or stalling database that's not growing or it hasn't been given much attention, the first place I go and visit is their point of sale, their register team or if they're the owner-operator, Talk to me about what you say when you process a transaction. Okay. <laughs> and, and it's simply just, right, well, we need to embed, as McDonald's did, and we don't want to go down <laughs> this, we, we don't want to go down this methodical, unpersonal no. way. There are obviously ways that you can, and whether we create it on the spot or whether we go and talk to a copywriter to build a script. Um, but literally, it's just about prompting people to say, hey, would you like to sign up to our newsletter? Or hey, would you like to um, sign if you, you know, sign up to uh, our database? You'll get X, Y, Z, um, and that's probably the the single biggest influencer in how to grow a database at brick and mortar level is just ask. Okay, mm. that's fair enough. Too. No rocket, no rocket science there. No. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, people. Um, if you're after some, <laughs> and then there's a, the other element of hooks and incentives. So. Okay. This one is a little more prickly, uh, you know, like lots and lots of retailers, national chains use a sign-up and get a one-time discount or a sign-up and you will get a discount for forever and a day. And for those retailers that have got a sign-up and you can constantly get 5 or 10% off every time you shop, the unfortunate reality for the other guys that haven't done that is that they've set the precedence for everyone else now. Yeah, a <laughs> so, lot of e-commerce sites are like that. That's their... Yeah. Their um, offer is is definitely give us your email address and you get ten percent off or something. Yeah, like that. and and I'm not an advocate for it. I mean, I understand the gravitas that comes with it because there's um, it's a simple equation for a consumer to go. If I give you something, I get something back straight away. 
Okay, so, but what I would say is, is that I don't know if they're the customer really that you want to be in bed with. I think that if businesses that have the flexibility, so whether it's independent franchise level or just independence full stop, uh, if you have the ability to not do a discount, I would say don't do it. And I would offer something that's of high value, e.g. those recipes I got from the butcher um, in exchange for, for an email address as well. So then it just becomes how do you pitch that at that moment of truth at the registers. Okay, so then it's just like, well, we need to work around. You don't get a discount, but what you do get is you get monthly, uh, exclusive monthly how-tos on how to cook your meat or it could be a list and range of other valuable hints and tips that is far in excess of a 10% mm. discount. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there's there's those. Um, other ways that I know are becoming more affluent in the market in retail are e-vouchers. So if you spend over $50 or $100, you'll get uh, an e-voucher linked to your particular customer account. Obviously, that then involves the CRM and database facilities to be able to do that. So there's a, that's a lot more, um, that's, you know, highbrow. That's a lot more sort of, you know, where you've got, yes, yes. So when someone comes through, they've probably got um, a barcode or a customer card that they swipe through your your registers or even they just enter a pin into an iPad and sitting there waiting for them is a, you know, a $20 credit that's against their their spend. So um, that's another way. And, Smart retailers are actually starting to target those spends, so only valid between you know the first of January and the twenty eighth of February, um, and that's to help even out the ebbs and flows of cash flow. Um, but it's also when you give someone a credit, it's a liability in your profit and loss statement. So if you don't, it's a, it's the same as annual leave. If you've got it sitting there, it comes off your net profit result, um, and it's a bit of an accounting nightmare. So the aim of the game is to actually get that spend if someone's got that credit to be done before the end of financial year or yeah, as quick as possible. Yeah. yeah. I um I bought some jeans. No, it wasn't jeans, but tops and things from uh, Jeans West. Yeah. I mean September last year, and um so they they gave me I guess a club card or whatever it's called, and as and as well as that, a um a ten dollar off a pair of jeans voucher. Yeah. And it's it's I have a wall where I stick up notes and things like that, and it's still there like six months later. Yeah. Um. So does that mean is that the kind of thing that yeah, they give out all these? There's no there's no uh, date on it. Yeah. It's just next time you come into the store, bring this, and here's ten dollars off kind of thing. And what we're seeing more of, unfortunately, with that is uh, there's a an ever increasing integrity issue because whether it's Jeans West or not, but other companies um, haven't have a valid from and to date. So, and then aren't that that's either fine printed somewhere or it's made available. But you know what people are like. Sometimes they hear what they want to hear, hmm. um, see what they want to see, and they and they miss the oh it's expired. Then they walk into that particular retailer. Go, I've got forty dollars or ten percent off or whatever it might be, and it's like sorry that's um. That's actually out of date. We know, you know that, that expired two months ago. Now that's the that's the again with hooks and these things that have these elements linked to it. Not only is it a liability from a cost center that you need to balance out at the end of your year, but it's also a liability in terms of your integrity to cut through on a marketing promise. And that's 
that's ever increasingly a challenge for especially big retailers that go out and push these things out there um, because what happens is people forget. They forget to use it and then it's like, well, now what do we do? And you can bombard them with reminders, but at the end of the day, they might have gone overseas for six months and it's just never going to happen. Um, so, and then, yeah, it's and then it becomes just a, a profit uh, in a in a soft way, of course, soft profit gain where it's not actually a profit, but you, you're not losing the, the margin there. So, oh, okay. I don't want to geek out on all the accounting <laughs> terms, but um, the, the last it's one around, yeah, the last one, it's messy. That's probably the best way to put yeah. it. Um, if, if it's not managed closely and if you haven't got really the, the framework and the infrastructure to be able to help manage it. Um, the last one is one that I think retailers could potentially, and it goes around that butcher story. It's just money can't buy stuff, you know. Like, um, and I've worked a long time in the sporting goods sort of retail sector, and having access to brands, some of the most inspirational, aspirational brands such as Nike, Adidas, etc., is it has been a lot of fun. Um, but they have obviously a lot of property that they can get their hands on, whether it's sports players or teams or product, signed product, all of that sort of stuff. So there are other ways. If there are businesses out there, just I would suggest probably sitting down and brainstorming your network of people and going, who could get something that is just so valuable, you know, you can go into running to win or, you know, you might be able to get a few of these things. So you could do monthly prizes and those kind of things as well. They're, they're the ways to help build value into your, whether you want to call it loyalty program as well. Yeah, I think... Um working together with other businesses is very much underutilised as a marketing strategy. Yeah. You know, whether you want to call it joint venturing or just, you know, I give you this and you give me that kind of thing. Yeah. There's um, just so many ways different businesses can work together for the, I guess, the common good of everybody. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. And I guess that's a whole other topic as well. That is, that is. And I just wanted to round off that incentive stuff, Casey, with yep. it really depends on how – all of that, which strategy you take, it depends on how quickly you want your, and need your data to grow. Okay, so if, if I, I do a lot of sort of retail triage work where there's, you know, some retailers that not not so much on their knees, but it's like how do we get out of trouble and building a quick database effectively is, you know, as I've said, the backbone to, to success there. So we, we may have to use some manipulators to do that. Um and it's not my preferred sort of thing, but it's a horses for courses system where you just have to do it just to because that's the position you're in. Um, but for those businesses that aren't, that are just coasting along nicely, you know, like it's I would tread tread carefully or you know business beware if you are going to use what I call manipulators to uh, to engage people in what you're doing. That's interesting. I am um, when I chat with clients or business owners. And they need, I guess, an injection of cash or something. That's one of the first things we look at is what their database is and how we can use that to generate some cash flow. Yes. So that's interesting yes. that yeah, you do that. Yeah. Retailers as well. Well, you've got if you've got you know even if it's just a hundred people, there's a hundred people that you can start talking to straight away, versus going and throwing a radio or a press advert out there or even doing nothing and you're not talking to anyone. So um, it's the quickest. It's the umbilical cord that really you can use to, to get to existing customers. Um, 
and, and then that's a whole other conversation again, you know, around customer acquisition versus <laughs> customer retention, but, and that's a big one, yeah. um, maybe for another day. But, uh, yeah, so that's yeah. probably what I, my thoughts are around um, incentives. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So I just, I'd like to just back up a little bit to your, um, when you're talking about how they can um, collect the data, like mm-hmm. in store. And um, I like the idea of the iPad or, you know, some some laptop maybe, I'm not sure, but some kind of thing that's sitting on the, the counter, for yes. example, that yeah. the customer can can do themselves rather than, you know, if they don't want to give their details to the you know, the girl behind the counter, yep. for example. Um, and I, I don't think that would be very hard to – I mean, there's obviously the outlay for the, the – we'll go non-specific, the tablet, yeah. <laughs> and to perhaps an app. And even not, I mean, you could just have your website pulled up on the the, uh, the tablet and people could enter in their details. Um, yeah. That seems to me like a fairly – like a quick win for a retailer to, to implement. Yeah, and um... – I'll put you in contact with someone uh, after the show, a lady by the name of Melissa Telesekin, a former guest of my show. She um, she has a, some phenomenal stories around a restaurant that she used to run and own um, uh, in Brisbane. It was a Spanish restaurant and some of the strategies she used to build database um, uh, are quite compelling and it was really around you know database capturing at point of sale via iPads and or just asking. Yeah. Um, Probably a combination of both, really. But um, the iPad thing is a good thing. There's lots of businesses out there that I've said you need to consider this, and they're like, "Well, look around this." And it's a case in point, it was a coffee shop, and they said, "Look around," and there was, you know, people must have been, you know, um, uh, pension Tuesday, whatever it might have been, because you know the average age of people sitting in there was probably sixty plus, and they're like, "Look at this," you know, like they're not really iPads. People wouldn't know how to use them. I'm like, "Yeah, don't be so sure," you know, like. I think the the older generation are really quite, um, you know, bonding to iPads and technology these days. So, and it does back up your point around there is that whole well, you punch it in yourself, set yourself up, and therefore there's this less intrusive way of doing it where you're reciting information over the counter. Um, it's also a really cool way. Like a lot of the iPads actually have just like sliders rolling across them when they're not being used. So it's just a little prompter as well that you can set up. Um, as a little in-store advertising screen. Um, and the, the setup really, I know the cashback app one for a merchant to sign up as a merchant and that includes the iPad and also the integration into it's it's sub it's sub two thousand dollars from memory. So it's really not they do it all, um, give you all the training on how to do it and whatnot. So um, that that's that's loosely placed out there because I I'm not that well versed in, in the in the the actual technical technical side of it but I'm led to believe it's quite seamless yeah yeah well I mean yeah like I say if if people don't want to go that um, that way they just have their website pulled up and you know with the opt-in that's integrated what should be on their website on the website yeah that's another good point all all people have to do is type in their email address so even if they don't know how to use an iPad or another tablet I'm pretty sure that they can type in their email address and press submit Yep. You know, it's not, yeah. Anyway, cool. Um, all right. What else would we, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but people I think, probably I think don't you... to talk all day. But <laughs> <laughs> I could go on all day about this topic, but uh, it's, 
I think one last thing is just around that, that discounting topic um, in regards to incentives. And when we initially started opening up a, you know, a document on what we were going to discuss, it was raised. And I think it's just one that I'd like to just give, you know, three or four minutes of a beta around. Discounting is a, it's a really old sort of, a, I guess, a generalized here with a lazy retailing method. Um, you, you know, it is all things that you hear people who aren't advocates for. Um, discounting are absolutely true. You are undervaluing your product and or service. You are in a race to the bottom. And the biggest thing that I see now is that if retailers start discounting and using discounts to engage, you're actually placing, you're framing your position, your market position to be in a commodity space. And by that I mean you're putting yourself into a position where you're susceptible to the likes of Amazon and all of the big behemoth businesses that are online in e-commerce, you're up against them then. If your unique selling proposition is around convenience and or price, then as a retailer, you need to figure out ways to actually take yourself out of that water and into decommoditized water. And actually to do that, you just you need to focus on selling things the, the products and services that you have um, for what they are and being able to include extra value and that could be as simple as just a phenomenal service um, or it could be, as I said, um, offering free hints and tips on how to use products or, you know, a seamless reverse logistic process. Let's say you're buying a barbecue you know, what happens if the barbecue starts to fail? Well, we come out um, and this is all part of the price. This is what you don't get when you buy a cheap product from Big W or whoever it might be, one of the DDSs. What we do is if it starts, to, the jets, the gas jets start to fail, we'll come out um, and this is a two-year warranty on this and we clean it all for you. Whatever it might be, you can see where I'm going with that. But how do you add value? So, therefore, you're taking yourself away where you can position your product and your store to be not up against the DDSs, to be not up against e-commerce but you've just got your own little space that people will come and invest in the right people and they're the customers that will sign up for your stuff as well um so it's a it's a trade-off around volume versus value value sorry um you want the valuable customers sometimes not necessarily always the volume ones the volume ones are often hard work and you do have to continue to manipulate them um you know with with you know, regurgitating discounts and all of that kind of stuff. And to finish that off, it's just clear for all businesses out there need to get clear and understand that loyalty and repeat business are no way at all mutually exclusive. So that mm, okay. they, loyalty is where people choose you yep. regardless of what else is going on out there in the market. It's harder but it's way more profitable and you have, once you get to that space where you have if you want to call it a thousand raving fans or you have a loyal customer base, once you get there, it's way easier. Um, it's not a race to the bottom. Whereas repeat business where you have to continually manipulate people to come back, that's hard work all the time. It just all that gives you is that little adrenaline hit, that little spike in sales every time. The challenge is with it though is that that diminishes every time you do it again and again and again. It's a bit like... I've never taken drugs, but I can only imagine it would be like a drug addict continually having to go and get another hit and another hit and another hit. Um, yeah, that's true. So that, that's my thoughts on discounting. 
Um, and I think they are discounting is linked to uh, email and data capture because I guess the common way to do that is by, you know, manipulating that. Yeah, well, um, in, in my experience, I can definitely say that from, um, I guess, a business owner's perspective, that's the first thing they think of when they want to do a campaign or have an incentive to get people onto their their email list is to offer some kind of discount or whether it's, you know, percentage off or a specific number off or that kind of thing. Yeah. But it, but it's also like, as you say, the the um, number one, I guess, um, criticism of their customers is that that's all they want or that they're the worst customers to have. Like in, in my personal business, when I've had customers um, either fight on a price, not just say, oh, we can't do that, can we do something for less, but actually, you know, insist on a cheaper price or some kind of um, discount. They've always been the customers that I've never wanted to work with again. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's all they're focused on rather than the end result or the, the value that I can bring them. It's about, oh, you know, that shouldn't cost that much or, you know, you're only, yeah. Anyway, that's, again, another whole other topic. But Correct. Um, my, yeah, my experience is, is the same as that um, with the discounting, that it's not a good idea. <laughs> Uh, overall yeah. in the long term always kind of scenario so. yeah and there is a caveat obviously around um businesses that are in triage i mean cash flow is your best friend at that point and yep. you sometimes we just do need to to do what we need to do to survive another day um but for businesses out there that are in a space where they can or they can't and regardless you know, if they didn't, they probably could afford to lose a bit of volume but pick up some extra value. I would definitely encourage them to explore that. Yeah, and there's there's obviously businesses that um, discounting is their, is their uh, point of difference. But I think yeah. there can only be, you know, one or two in any given space. Like in the US, I think it's Walmart probably yeah. is a good example. And yeah. in Australia, you know, maybe Kmart or... Um, in Tasmania, I don't know if they're on the mainland, but shiploads. Shiploads, yeah. Is, um, it's very big on discounting and everything. It's very cheap in those stores. So, yeah, yeah. I guess you just need to know your um, your model and your business and your customers and that all the numbers. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're going to be a volume business, and Aldi's a good example, um, then be a volume business. Don't try and be something you're not. Um, and what Walmart have done, which Aldi have taken the same approach, is just everyday low pricing. You know, like a, okay. you know, yep. whether it's via parallel importing, whether it's you know creating their own brand of tuna up against John West, whatever it is, they've actually been able to establish that. Um, my kids are scum berserk. That's all. So, <laughs> that's um, okay. um, being able to establish what what actual type of retail model are you going to use? Um, is it is it volume or is it um, you know, value and really it's understanding if you're going to be in there, then do it. If you're not, then don't. Um, it gets messy when you try and, you know, cross the two over. Yep. All right. Yep. Fair enough. My apologies for that abrupt ending, listeners. Uh, there was a few technical issues. Um, rest assured, that was the end of the conversation and you did not miss anything that uh, would be of much interest. Um, I hope you like that interview. I, I find that really interesting to discuss different industries and their use of email marketing and how they can best apply it. Uh, so if you're in the retail space or indeed if you want just want to learn more about 
how Christian deals with uh, retailing, go to theretailguy.com.au. And if you're in the retail space, whether you're uh, whatever you're selling, uh, get in contact with me if you're using email marketing or if you're uh, doing anything with marketing automation. I'd love to hear from you and hear what you're what you're up to and perhaps we could do a podcast with you and share your story. So head over to kissautomation.com uh, and send me an email. I'd love to hear from you.